change is inevitable and can often be chaotic. However, when it's fully organized, change can be dynamic, powerful, and progressive. The Organizing for Change podcast will help you move from a spectator to a difference maker and will assist you in bringing positive change to your community, your city, and perhaps of most importance, you. Hosted by Amanda Decker, drug-free community substance use prevention coordinator, mom to many, entrepreneur, and fan of great conversation, Organizing for Change is heard in over 40 countries and every state in the USA. We are delighted that you've joined us today, because after all, we do this for you, and that will never change. Here's Amanda. Welcome to episode 35 of the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. Marijuana laws and policies have changed significantly in the United States in recent years. What does prevention look like amidst all these changes? I am super excited to talk about this with today's guest, Scott Ganyer. Scott is the director of the New England Prevention Technology Transfer Center at AdCare Educational Institute of Maine. He is a certified prevention specialist with more than a decade of experience in the field. Since December of 2015, He's been serving on the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration Center for Substance Abuse Prevention National Advisory Council. He's also a member of the Maine Substance Abuse Services Commission appointed by the governor in 2012. Scott is also the board president of the Maine Council on Problem Gambling. He has received several awards recognizing his contributions and leadership in the substance use prevention field. If you would like to be an insider to the Organizing for Change podcast and get today's show notes and any of the resources we talk about, join our email list. You'll be the first to know about upcoming episodes and you'll get a summary of today's episode with links to everything we've talked about emailed right to your inbox. Just click on the link in the show notes to join our community today. Also, if today's podcast is helpful to you, let us know by emailing us or responding to us on social media. And without further ado, my conversation with Scott Ganyer. So today we are welcoming to the Organizing for Change podcast, Scott Ganyer, who is the project director for the New England Prevention Technology Transfer Center. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about what the Prevention Technology Transfer Center does, and then we'll dig into some things around marijuana policy. Sure. So uh, the New England, so I represent the New England Prevention Technology Transfer Center, which is one of 10 centers across the country. Our SAMHSA-funded training and technical assistance centers uh, really uh, geared towards supporting the uh, prevention workforce uh, across the country. And so we, we define that really as anyone uh, that is doing prevention, whether they're a state-funded coalition or organization, uh, federally funded, or they're just a volunteer group of parents or other concerned community members looking to do uh, prevention. It's, it's really sort of broad in that way that we just want to be able to provide broad access to this sort of cutting-edge science and, um, 
you know, uh, implementation technology around prevention strategies and, and a lot of areas around substance use and behavioral health. Um, so we, as I said, we're one of 10 centers. Um, we represent the six states of New England, and so part of our work is to kind of do some networking and outreach to meet with sort of state-level, local-level folks that are learning more about what they're doing, um, what they're trying to accomplish, and see how we can help support them with training and, and technical assistance tools. Um, so it's, it's a fairly new model. Um, it was just funded last year. Um, so we, we, we just completed our first year of operation. Um, got some good some programs under our belt so far, and just continuing to learn more about what the, the field needs and in uh, providing you know uh, the latest and greatest uh, to, to get out there into the communities. That's great. I know when we had last talked, we talked a little bit about how each of the prevention technology transfer centers kind of has a specific focus or maybe a project or something that they're good at and they thought they could kind of work on. And you had talked to me a little bit about the New England Center. So tell us about what you've been working on for the last year and just kind of the products that you've been able to uh, develop. Sure. Yeah, so as part of the application process to serve as one of these 10 uh, regional centers, um, we had to write in a sort of a specialty area of expertise, so an area that we have some good experience in, in terms of developing training and technical assistance. So for our region of New England, we, we actually identified marijuana prevention, marijuana science as sort of our specialty area. One of the reasons we picked that was um, just our organization. So the New England Prevention Technology Transfer Center is housed here at EdCare Educational Institute of Maine. Um, and we've done a lot of training and technical assistance um, in Maine around marijuana prevention. Um, so we, we do have some good background and experience in doing that kind of work. But the other piece of it, too, is our part of the country is experiencing a lot of changes in laws. Uh, Maine, both Maine and New Hampshire, I'm mean, excuse me, both Maine and Massachusetts have passed uh, legalization laws for adult use marijuana. Um, Vermont also has a legalization law, though it doesn't allow for commercial sales, and then our other three states, along with all of our states, have some form of medical marijuana. So it felt like it was also the right time to be doing some special focus on that as, you know, sort of the, the landscape of marijuana changes in some of our states and communities. It's going to be important to support the prevention workforce with um, some strategies and approaches to, to, to deal with that. I mean, certainly marijuana is not new. What is new is that some of our states and communities are now um, seeing an emerging commercial marijuana market. And as we know from alcohol and tobacco, there are aspects of that commercialization that can impact public health and youth and communities. So we want to start looking at how can we, you know, equip and support equipping the prevention workforce with what they need to um, address this for this changing landscape in their communities. So uh, one way this has been operationalized is that across the country, we've developed these cross-country working groups around these specialty areas. So the New England Prevention Technology Transfer Center is chairing the nationwide marijuana uh, risk working group. And so it involves a few other centers from across the country. And so for the past um, half, half year, uh, we've been working very hard to develop some products to release at the end of our first year, which was this past September. So, um, so we were excited that we've been able to launch just in the past couple of weeks on um, what those tools are. Um, 
So we, we and so these are tools that we're launching out into the workforce that they can immediately use in their prevention and education efforts. That sounds so exciting. Are you able to tell us about some of those tools? Yeah. Yeah, so and so we're really excited about this and we have these on our website. So um, you can go to pttcnetwork.org and if, so and you can find your centers uh, the center that serves your region of the country, but also on the website we have a, a page that talks about the different focus areas so you can get links there to these tools. But So we've actually developed four tools that we just mm-hmm. released. So two of them are slide banks, so PowerPoint slide banks. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them focuses on pharmacology and the sort of the way that THC and other chemicals and marijuana interact with the brain, depending on the, the route of administration or, you know, how it's consumed. Okay. Um, the other slide bank is focusing on the various forms of marijuana, um, the potencies, sort of the trend in potencies, of, particularly around THC, and then some of the science that we have so far around what some of those health impacts are. So the goal with both of these slide banks is this is something that a prevention uh, practitioner can download and use right away. So if you get a request in your community to do a parent night or to talk to the school board or whatever the audience is around um, what does you know what does marijuana look like these days? Uh, you have this slide bank that you can download and feel confident in using because part of our process was to do to, to put the research together um, to make sure it's vetted that all the research is solid and rigorous. Um, so what you have is based is an evidence based uh, vetted a tool that you can use right away in your in your communities. Um, the other two two products we released. One is a facts and myths sheet. So we took seven of some of the sort of more, more common myths we've heard in our work around marijuana and then did the research to, to provide sort of the answer to that. So one example is there's, there's, there's still kind of a myth out there that, uh, you know, being impaired on marijuana doesn't impact driving. Mm-hmm. So we, we did research and put that together with the citations explain why that is not true and why you know, marijuana impairment is an issue for driving and explain what that is. So this is something that could both be used as a handout in the community, but also just for the prevention person themselves to be familiar with how to answer, you know, these myths come up in sort of your conversations. Uh, the last product is a glossary, and this is really more of an internal reference document for prevention professionals just to get them more familiar um, with the different slang terms different terminology around, um, you know, retail marijuana in, in different parts of the plant. So it's just more to kind of be literate, if you will, with some of this terminology. So if you are in a particular setting where someone's talking about um, cannabinoids and all these sort of things, you, you, you'll be able to know what they're talking about. Um, so, so these are all now on the PTTC Network website, free for download and um, for folks to use. And then, you know, what we're also um, encouraging is, is, you know, to connect with your regional PTTC if you need any other further assistance or uh, training needs around doing this uh, work in your community. What a fantastic resource. That makes me so excited. One of the things that I wanted to ask, too, so we talk about tobacco and alcohol, and now in Ma- I'm in Massachusetts, and now that marijuana is legal here, and I've, I've been in the prevention world for quite some time, just can you talk a little bit about um, what communities can do or what kind of they should be looking for now that it's legal and being used in your state? What are some 
some of the responses that a community can have. And I guess the reason I'm asking this is because I think as a prevention specialist, sometimes I've felt like my hands are tied, like there's there's nothing I can do. Um, it's not like tobacco where everyone just, like some of the tobacco prevention strategies are just a little more clear cut. The community is familiar with them. Uh, it's kind of a whole brand new world. So just can you help me understand a little bit what could the response of a community be? Sure. I mean, I think one important piece for a prevention practitioner is to be aware of what the policies or the laws are in uh, their state or, or their community. And because sometimes, and I do training on this topic, sort of the intersection of policy and prevention, which is, you know, there's different layers of policy. There's sort of state level, but sometimes there can be local level policies around this. So I think that's really important that if you're if you're not familiar, if you haven't read so, for example, if you're in a state like Maine or Massachusetts or Colorado, you know, where legalization has passed, it's, just, it's good to be able to, to find those laws, to read them. If, and if, if you have troubles sort of with the legal language, you know, that's where um, if you have someone with legal background in your coalition or if you have some, you know, networks that have access to those kind of resources, that would be a good thing to, to tap into as well so you mm-hmm. can understand some of the sort of the legalese. Um, I can just speak to examples of here in Maine where you, know, we, you can spot, almost spot or anticipate what some of the potential issues might be. Um, you know, for example, in Maine, um, when our legalization law passed, there was a gifting provision where you were allowed, you know, an adult 21 or over is allowed to gift marijuana to another adult 21 or over. Um, but when you looked at the law, there, were, there was basically a loophole in there where people were able to kind of charge or other aspects of that gifting so they could charge for shipping and handling and and or, or packaging or whatnot. Mm. And so there just wasn't a lot of really good regulations around that so you could see some potential for diversion and then those kind of issues. So that's just one example. So I, so I think one good step is if you haven't reviewed what's sort of on the books, what's passed, to do that and, like I said, seek out some legal sort of um, advice to, to help you kind of interpret that. And then once you've done that, I think... And one of the kind of lenses you want to obviously use around that is from your public health prevention uh, perspective and thinking about some of the examples from alcohol and tobacco, things like outlet density, things like advertising, labeling, packaging, um, some of the potential normalization issues that can come from some of these commercial industries. And so as you look at your, your laws, you can kind of identify what some of those issues are. Then as a coalition, start think, having those conversations about, okay, so how can we start addressing this? Is there something in tobacco or alcohol that we might be able to adapt and evaluate? Because um, I think that is where we are, unfortunately, is that we don't have a huge body of evidence mm-hmm. in terms of what's effective specifically for marijuana and marijuana commercialization. So um, I think that's where we need to kind of look at what we, the best we have for evidence, but then to really evaluate anything that we do um, implement to... Um, you know, to measure effectiveness, and I mean, that will just help uh, the field overall. I mean, the other thing I would say, too, is there, like, on an organizational level, um, there's a lot of things that organizations and industries have to consider, for example, housing or Mm -hmm. education, schools. And so that's another powerful place that prevention has a a role, sort of that community organization role of of supporting those organizations. So they're going to adopt a certain policy 
um, around, you know, adult marijuana possession on school grounds mm-hmm. for soccer games. Like, how, how can they support sort of the communication of that? Um, just sort of the infrastructure to make sure those policies are reviewed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of kind of those almost environmental strategies that prevention professionals can look at while we are still learning about more kind of specific programs that we can use, um, you know, in, in, in those areas. One of the things that's happened in our community is there are laws also, but they're not necessarily being enforced. So, for instance, in Massachusetts, we have a law similar to alcohol around public consumption of marijuana, and that's something that we've really struggled with in our state. Uh, There are so many places that you go now, and it just smells terrible, and you'll see people sitting in their cars or driving around, is there something that communities could be thinking of when maybe they create these laws, but also just the enforcement of some of these laws? Yeah, I, I think the enforcement is, is an important piece of it. And we, you know, we've, we've learned that uh, enforcement of underage drinking laws has been, a, you know, a powerful um, strategy around alcohol prevention. So, mm-hmm. and I think that can tie into kind of a couple of things I talked about earlier is as you're reviewing and becoming more familiar with what's going on both at the state and local level, that's really the place to introduce that conversation about, um, you know, the importance uh, of enforcement. I mean, a good example is I'm actually serving on our Marijuana Advisory Commission here in Maine. We had our first meeting today, and that's one of the things we were talking about was compliance. Mm. What are going to be some of the compliance issues around this emerging industry? And that's where, sort of from my public health lens, I'm kind of putting on the table um, some of the strategies we've used around alcohol, such as compliance checks, um, you know, shoulder tap, right. surveillance, those kind of things, um, um, just sort of as, as we, you know, as we move forward to, to make sure that youth are entering these premises or to make sure that, you know, we're looking for fake IDs and, you know, those kind of things. So, uh, so that's, again, another powerful role that prevention has is to put that on the table. And frankly, I mean, that is, there's there's not a lot of other not a lot of other people necessarily we're going to think to put that on the mm-hmm. table. So that's really where I think honest that's one of our most important roles is to be those experts in our communities, in our states to put these issues on the table because you know um, I mean a lot of state legislatures are you know they're they're citizen lawmakers they have to know a little bit about everything. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be necessarily you know by default thinking about some of these public health concerns or risks or, you know, potential issues. And so that's one of the most powerful things we can do is to put that on the table for them. And often it's sort of an aha moment for them because they didn't think about it. Right. Um, such as, you know, edibles. I mean, there's sort of just putting the issues around edibles on the, on the table and how the potency and, and accidental ingestion. I mean, sometimes folks just don't think about that. But once you put it on the table, they're like, oh, okay, I need to, as a, leader or as a lawmaker, you know, it's important for me to think about this while I'm doing my, my piece. So, um, so, I mean, education and awareness is going to be a huge part of our role um, in, in a lot of different sectors, not just with parents and teachers, but really across the board with every sector of our communities. So true, because I think of just lawmakers are just like everybody else you know they read the news they hear information from friends and i think um i've recently heard that a lot of people are confused around 
the whole vaping piece, a lot of people will tell me we really need to legalize marijuana because all the vaping deaths that have happened in the United States had to do with black market marijuana, which there isn't accurate documentation to say that is exactly it. That's the only issue. But yet that sometimes circulated in the news and people just kind of read it, believe it and go on. And so I think sitting down with lawmakers, even your local lawmakers um, in your town or your city, just helping them to understand from a credible source information. You're right. That's so powerful. Yeah. And on that issue in particular, I think. Uh, you know, one of the important pieces is the the regulation. And, you know, because I've heard that argument, too, that, you know, the answer is legalization. But that's where the devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, effective regulation is going to mean that, um, you know, sort of black market or gray market or bootleg products don't end up in dispensaries. But I've, I've seen reports in some others in some of the legal states where some of these black market sort of vape cartridges or other types of products end up in some of these licensed dispensaries. So sort of mm-hmm. the supply chain is going to be an issue around that. So it's, it's not that simple. And I think that's a place where we can have that, a voice to, to say that, to say, well, it's, it's not that simple. There's a lot of aspects to this. Um, you know, we need to make sure, um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the ties with the black market and the gray market aren't still there because we don't want those products to end up, but then there's still just a piece that the CDC is really still trying to exactly pinpoint and figure mm-hmm. out what's going on with it. Um, so we, we still don't really have the final uh, solid answer, but it's whatever the final answer is, it's going to be more complex and nuanced than simply just, you know, legalization. It's, it's going to, it's not really the, the quick fix on that, unfortunately. True. I know also there's other communities out there that have not moved to legalization yet. And I feel like as a prevention specialist, something that I really struggled with before legalization hit, I just wondered where is the line between education and lobbying? And I know I've read, you know, most of us have read the description, but I think sometimes prevention folks can feel really intimidated um, just on what they say. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, and, and that's something I, I, I see as well as sort of that, you may be reluctance or hesitance because, I mean, it is a really controversial issue um, on many different sides, um, but but I also know that's also a concern, especially if you're state-funded or federally-funded, um, you know, you don't want to get in trouble with that. Um, I mean, so I think two points. I mean, one, I mean, in terms of lobbying, I mean, if you're, if you're you know, as long as you're not going to a lawmaker looking for asking them to pass a certain bill or you're trying to tell them how to vote on a certain bill uh, I mean that's really where the line is is you don't want to be telling someone either in a state legislature or for a local government how to to vote or to write a particular piece of legislation or or law um, you that doesn't mean you can't educate lawmakers though and mm-hmm. particularly if lawmakers come to you um, you know if a, if a lawmaker in your state comes to you and says hey can you talk to me about THC potency or edibles. You, I mean, you can absolutely answer that. They're coming to you as the expert and, and looking for, for guidance. I mean, so, you know, you just be careful in that and you don't, you know, within that, the context of that conversation, you're, again, not asking them to vote a certain way on any bill or anything, but just answer their questions. 
Um, and the, the cool thing about that, and I've experienced this myself, is once you once you answer one question for a lawmaker in a particular area, more often than not, they're going to come back to you. Um, so becoming sort of a, ex- a go-to expert is something you really want to happen. Um, you want to be someone that the, the lawmakers can rely on, particularly in for these public health, uh, you know, issues around marijuana and whatnot. Um, so and that's absolutely, you know, fair game to, 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 to do that. And, and honestly, like I, I say in my presentation, that we in prevention, public health, we are those expert voices mm-hmm. that people need to hear from. No one else is going to tell these stories. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so I, and, and so, so, I, that, so, so prevention folks should be really encouraged to, to educate all sectors, and that can include our leaders, um, but basically, you know, where you want to stop is you don't want to ask or tell or try to influence, you know, how someone votes on a particular law or, or bill or anything like that. That said, we are all private citizens when we're off the clock, and so there's obviously a different mm-hmm. set of uh, rules around that when you're off the clock and you're a private citizen using your own technology. You know, you have different different parameters, but um, when you're on the clock, again, you know, if someone's coming to you, a leader's coming to you looking for information, definitely um, that's, that's fair game, and, you know, anything we can do to be those trusted voices um, is only going to uh, help her cause. That's good. When you hear about marijuana and prevention, I think oftentimes people feel kind of discouraged these days, but there's also some really great things that communities have been doing. Can you talk about some of the successes that you've seen in your area of this work and just some of the encouraging things out there um, that you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I think... um yeah, it, it certainly can be with so much change going on. Um, and, I mean, obviously there's, if you look down sort of the industry aspect, of it, there's a lot of money that's going mm-hmm. into this. A lot of people think that. So that can be, so it, it can feel uh, frustrating in that way. But there's a lot of great work that's happening um, in our region here in New England and, and across the country. I mean, there's a lot of coalitions, whether they're drug-free communities coalitions or just other sort of volunteer groups that are doing some great work through, um, you know, town halls, through sort of local media campaigns to raise awareness of, again, whether it's potency, whether it's, um, you know, potential risks around edibles, um, you know, uh, some of the other risk factors that can come along with that. Um, and, you know, I, I see that there's some, some good results in terms of that can end up influencing um, what some of the local um, ordinances look like. Um you know, um, I will say here in Maine, one of the issues that we we raised uh, some concerns was that initially there was a provision in our law that would have allowed for um, social clubs, on-premise locations uh, for marijuana consumption, and there was some real concern around impaired driving around that, especially mm-hmm. with people who've never used edibles before and don't understand the delayed effect. And honestly, it was through public health advocacy that we saw changes in that where they basically took that license away. Um, they said, we're, you know, Maine's not ready to, to look at that right now. There's, we don't know how we would do, deal with the capacity around uh, preventing impaired driving and all those sort of things. So it was really public health advocacy that made some changes there on a state level. Um, but like I said, on the local level, there's lots of organizations here in Maine, but also um, in New England that I've been in touch with that are doing some really great work to raise awareness. They're getting good media coverage. Um, to, to spread their, to 
spread their, their messages. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so, so, there's, so there's a lot of great work uh, that, that's happening. So, so definitely prevention practitioners should, should feel encouraged that they're not alone. There's a lot of uh, great work happening out there. And that's where I th- would encourage definitely to, to network, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's um, organization within your own state or within New England or in other parts of the country. Um, the more that we can learn from each other and share, yeah. um, the more that we can increase and sort of amplify the effects of some of the great work that's happening. That's great. So when uh, we're kind of wrapping up things here, but what are we missing? Is there anything else that you really wanted to add or you were thinking this would be really important for listeners to know? Um, I think I would just uh, really kind of emphasize that as much as we can to to, to get out there and, and to be the they said to be the voices of the, the, the experts around this issue. Uh, but also definitely um, as you're doing this work, if you find that uh, there's more resources you need, there's more training you need, um, definitely tap your prevention technology transfer centers. That's This is our job. I mean, we, we, we don't just work in the marijuana space. We're obviously supporting all aspects of substance use uh, disorder prevention. But um, certainly a lot of states in our country are facing these is changing landscape, so definitely leverage um, the the resources and tools and expertise that are there, because um, we we want to we want to help you uh, do what you're doing in your communities. Um, even if you're not sure, even if you're not sure exactly what it is you need, you just just to talk about what some of the challenges you're you're facing. Um, often we can kind of pinpoint maybe some training opportunities, or there's a particular guidance or implementation tool that we can kind of research and develop. Um, so just definitely reach out to your PTTC, um, you know, have that conversation and let us figure out how we can uh, help you um, in your efforts because ultimately that's our goal. We mm-hmm. want to make sure we're doing everything we can to get uh, science into, into practice and to uh, really support building that sort of uh, capacity and, and um, energy and, and stuff around doing this yeah. kind of work. This has been super helpful, and I hope that in the future we get to have you back on because I thought of more questions. Um, But we really appreciate your time and just everything that you're doing out there. And I will put links to the show notes. I'll put links to all the things that you talked about so that if folks, you know, didn't have time to write them down, they can look it up. Awesome. Well, thank you very much again for having me. I'm more than happy to come back. Thank you for listening to the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to empower coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring positive change to their communities. To learn more about us or to get the show notes from today's episode emailed to your inbox, log on to our website. We hope you are inspired by today's show and keep up the great work. See you next time.